Welcome to Decoding Superhuman. This show is a deep dive into obsessions with health, performance, and how to elevate the human experience. I explore the latest tools, science, and technology with experts in various fields of human optimization. This is your host, Boomer Anderson. Enjoy the journey. All right, so before we get into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to yet another listener leaving a five-star review on iTunes, Shimaki Schmitzel, and I should really pick names that are easier to pronounce, but I apologize if I got that one wrong, left a review saying, I love the guest Boomer brings in to give a truly holistic lens to being a high performer. The grounded science and techniques are mind-expanding and practical, recommended to anyone or a high achiever looking to up-level their performance. Shimaki, thank you so much for leaving the review. And if I butchered your name and pronunciation, please correct me. Let's get on with today's show. Today's guest is Eric Puro, and I tried my best to give that a Finnish accent, but may have failed. Eric is the co-founder and CEO of Kappa Health and Kappa Biotech, which is a company that uses medicinal mushrooms in ways that I find truly admirable. Today, we get into the benefits of medicinal mushrooms on the immune system, energy, as well as focus. We talk about anything from chaga to reishi to mushrooms that I didn't really know had an immune system benefit like shiitake. All of the show notes for this one, and Eric cites a lot in terms of compounds of interest, can be found at decodingsuperhuman.com slash kappa, that's K-A-A-P-A. And given what's going on in the world right now, some of those immune system mushrooms may be of interest to you. So head on over to Kappa Health, that's K-A-A-P-A health.com and use the code biohacks because Eric is hooking all of our listeners up with a 15% discount on their tinctures, which I've been riding really since I met Eric at the biohacking Congress. And I feel freaking fantastic. Let's move on with the show. Shall we? Eric, welcome to the show, my friend. Yes. Thank you. Really nice to be here. Thanks for hosting. Uh, we're going to go into a lot. And you and I had the pleasure of meet, meeting, at least officially, I, we probably have met before at Biohacking Congress in London. And we had a fantastic conversation about so many things, <laughs> not just related to mushrooms, but just life in general. And I, I'm glad yeah. we're able to continue it here today with the recording button. Uh the recording button press. So hopefully we sound, hopefully I sound at least intelligent and we'll get started. <laughs> Let's get started. Shall we? Yeah. Great. So Eric, your surname is Finnish, but you're not from Finland originally. And in fact, you told me that you had this permaculture farm in Kentucky and, and like, how does one go from Kentucky to Finland? Cause mm. people in Kentucky, uh, you know, my parents went to UK not traditionally thought of as going to Finland as their next stop? Yes. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, my last name is Puro. And uh, that is my grandfather's father came from Finland to the U.S. early 1900s and 
brought with him our family name, which actually was uh, Purunen. And Purunen, maybe it was too weird, so they chopped it off and made it Puro, which, funny enough, Puro is actually a very common Finnish last name. Mm-hmm. It means little river. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I guess my connection to Finland growing up was very limited. My father always made a sauna kind of in the basement. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that it was weird to have naked sauna with your family uh, on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's not your typical <laughs> church experience that I had no, in the Midwest, right? No, so. so that was a bit like, oh, okay, no one else does that. Then, you know, my brother and I, we decided this is maybe too weird for us. And, and then it became a thing, okay, well, now it's healthy, so I can do it after football practice or something. Yeah. But, but the connection to Finland never was really there. It was kind of, oh, yeah, that's where some family went to. It's where my blood is from. Mm-hmm. And I just went on with my life and and my my life is not a clear trajectory of from anywhere to anywhere, but uh, found myself kind of living after I did, let's say, corporate consulting for a while in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed to understand how the world worked more. I felt really somehow just like someone was holding my hand for so long of my life. And I wanted to understand how things actually worked and went out and uh, wanted to do good what, what what kind of problems can I solve? How can I use my brain for a better purpose and making lots and lots of money? And that 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 journey just stayed on for about ten years. Um, I was doing everything from squatting in London, uh, boycotting runways of new airports, um, <laughs> helping stop uh, old growth forests from being cut down, um, to you know proactively then building really ecological houses. I did that for a long time. I started a nonprofit, international nonprofit called The Push, which helps people find places to do natural building. Um, you know, it's kind of went between maybe negative uh, reactionary environmental activism to maybe more positive side of things. And, and kind of what I landed on was um, really enjoying connection, finding connection in my life, connection with myself, people, nature, um, my own body, just lo- like really finding more, more connection. And mm-hmm. that led me to natural building. It led me to permaculture. It led me to finding ways that I could, as a design of my life, interact more with the natural ecosystem. Um, hunting became foraging, became looking for mushrooms, became wanting to tan hides with the brain of the animal, fire by friction, uh, walking without shoes. I mean, just really deep into that that space and kind of emerging out of that when I had a daughter going, okay, how can I how can I make some business out of this? And how can I really do something really positive with my life? And um, permaculture turned into biotech and biotech turned into the company that I have now. And I think then my, my journey was really in, in Kentucky was uh, at 62 acres of land, which is like 30 some hectares, three waterfalls, spring fed, you know, we we're bathing in spring water. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just beautiful log house we were building. Sounds really like a nice damn gardens. dream right now. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was incredible. Just, well, really nice. Foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, really supportive community around us of people who are doing permaculture and organic farming and everyone really pushing each other to do new things. And um, yeah, it was great. And then then kind of, you know, deciding to make a really big change in my life when my daughter came. What is being a father? What is my responsibility now to her? Can I be living this lifestyle anymore? How does this work? And that, you know, those thoughts and those decisions led myself to go on a family vacation to Finland where, you know, my, my late wife, she was finished. So we, we came here to see her parents and, and, 
and show off our our new uh, daughter. Mm-hmm. And I took my shoes off just one day walking through the forest, and it's this mossy where, this blueberry. Bushes. Where in Finland were you? Uh, Nuxio, okay. right outside uh, Helsinki. Mm-hmm. And there's a national park there called Nuxio, and and it's the the understory in Finland is basically blueberry bushes, wild blueberry bushes. And then moss. And I mean, it's a, it's a really like, you think there's nymphs and, you know, little elves and stuff running around everywhere. And I took my shoes off and I was walking through this ecosystem with lakes around me and, and moss hanging from the trees. Really, the air is like really crisp, really clean. And I said, you know, my God, this is my home. Mm-hmm. You know, in Kentucky, I was one day, I almost stepped on three poisonous snakes. Doesn't make me feel good to raise a daughter there. I mean, I just don't understand that kind of jungle ecosystem. It just didn't ever felt right. I never felt my place was there. I was trying to connect, forcing myself, got here. And it was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's Finland. Now I get it. This is really, you know, and then of course, now I've been here three years and just everything that I learned about um, the health food scene here, the there's a lot of really supportive people and the um, really strong uh, social system. People here through the government genuinely care about the health, well-being, uh, livelihood of each other. It's just, uh, I feel there's a lot of honor, you know, mm-hmm. and for the first time in my life, I feel like really happy to pay taxes, <laughs> which is such a good feeling to have, like just. And, and so not very American at all. Like, yeah, absolutely. Just... absolutely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating. So, uh, all right. The company Kappa Biotech, right. And so or yep. Kappa Health, it, you were one part of this equation, if you will, originally. You were telling me the story. How did it all kind of converge and come together into the, well, we'll call it an organism, the organism yeah. it is right now? Yeah, so I'm, I'm one very small part, actually. Um, what, what, there's, what there was and there still is in Helsinki is a, a group. There's many of these around the world. They're called Myco Hack Labs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a space where people interested in fungi trying to solve all the world's problems connected to companies, connected to universities, just in their own garages. It's a totally social equalizing uh, space. Uh, and you can go there and just connect to other people working with fungi. And there's like, you know, people giving workshops on the medicinal compounds, how to extract them. There's workshops on how to grow glow in the dark mushrooms, how to dye fabric with mushrooms, how to build furniture, mm-hmm. make packaging with mushrooms, how to filter water. I mean, everything you can think of, this is the place where people are really experimenting with that space. Uh, and I got involved because I was growing, you know, in my summer house, uh, maybe 1,000 meters of, of mushroom logs outdoors and just trying to get it to work in Finland, mm-hmm. trying to get that. It hasn't been done here. And, you know, I met guys who just knew way more than I do about fungi, proper mycologists with proper education, years and years, eight, 10 years of experience in this space. Um, you know, and I just started looking like, my God, if we could all you know, the leader inside of me, <laughs> what if we all just work together, you know, yeah. <laughs> and could do, do something really incredible. And so uh, I just went around and, and we uh, had some really nice long discussions with a uh, now good friend of mine, Lorin um, von Logan Liebenstein, who's actually our, our head mycologist and head of production. And we had a lot of discussions, little here and there, what we're doing, get to know each other. And he said, he called me up one day and said, Eric, let's let's inoculate like 40,000 mushroom logs and make a proper medicinal mushroom company. One that's designed to be a medicinal mushroom company from its conception, mm-hmm. um, not one that was doing something else and then moved into the medicinal mushroom space. And I said, I said, yeah, man, 40,000 mushroom logs. That's a lot of work. I don't think you understand it. But, you know, let's let's do that. 
And uh, then we started picking up more people. Who, who else do we need to make this work? Well, we need someone who knows the forest industry so we can start growing lots of chaga. And, and it was sales. And we found a really good friend of mine, uh, Henry Loke, who joined on as our forest services director. And then uh, the last kind of piece of the equation was then consumer sales. How do we make, make a brand? How do we make products? And we took on our current product development export kind of marketing director, Otso Mursula, <laughs> had a company already selling chaga. And... Uh, you know, we divvied up the company ownership and we just said, hey, let's let's just like, let's just be really equal here and let's just move forward. And mm-hmm. and now we've just been like running really fast. It's It's been, we're almost two years old as a company. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sitting in our new facility. We just bought a 1,300 square meter production space and we're renovating it. It's like a, you know, 600, 650,000 year old project. And the market is really demanding a lot of a lot of medicinal mushrooms from us. Let's put it that way. And, and <laughs> we're gonna we go. We're, doing, right? we're gonna go into that idea of medicinal mushrooms in a second. But just so I understand, and kind of there are a lot of business people that listen to this podcast. Uh, you yeah. have the consumer facing arm. Is the consumer facing arm relatively new in comparison to some of the other stuff you guys have been doing in the it background? Is. So what our company sort of divided is we have. Uh, Kappa Biotech, yep. which is our parent company. Um, Kappa Biotech is interfacing with researchers. It's crawling papers that are being published about fungi. It's looking for opportunities that we can commercialize a biotech solution to some industry problem. So mm-hmm. we work a lot with the forest industry because we're in Finland. It's kind of the easiest place for us to get started. Um, and then we're working also a little bit in the energy space a little bit in, in pest control space, this kind of thing. And uh, then we have our, our, it's called Kappa Forest. Yeah. And Kappa Forest is right now where we are working to help the um, regeneration of Finnish forest. So how can we actually be getting, um, moving Finland forestry away from clear cutting, more destructive practices toward, you know, continue, continuous cover forestry where we're providing proper financial returns. Mm-hmm. And uh, ecologically managing that forest really well. So we have a big forest owner growing network where they're growing us 60, 70, 80,000 kilos of dried chaga mushroom. Mm-hmm. And this is a very innovative thing that our company has done. So this was kind of one of the first things we started working on was um, using technology that we've worked with the National Research Institute of Finland to develop, which is these little dowels of, of inoculated chaga we're putting into live birch trees. Mm-hmm. So we're actually, we're cultivating chaga. We're able to define the strain that's being used. Um, and then we're also able to really control what the, what the harvest and production and sustainability and the regeneration around that whole picture. Uh, and unlike cultivating chaga where you grow it indoors, maybe on Petri dishes or something, this is not what we do. Okay. So that's a big involvement in the forest sector. And then we have our... Then our consumer division uh, that's relatively new, Kappa Health, where we're selling a product line of our own products. And then we have Nordic Mushrooms, where we are working with other brands to uh, be an ingredient uh, supplier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let, let's go down the medicinal mushroom route, because there are a few people that are listening to this podcast, and I have covered... Uh, in recent episodes uh, or had discussions around psychedelics. And I just want to differentiate terms before we go down this path. Medicinal mushrooms, do you mind defining that for us versus what, you know, something like a Paul Stamets would talk about when it comes to things like psilocybin and other areas? 
Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I would, I would, I would, I would qualify uh, psychedelic mushrooms as medicinal uh, okay. as well. Okay, fair enough. But I, I would put everything in that. Uh, you know, oyster mushrooms, maybe not so medicinal. I mean, in a way, everything we eat is medicinal. Yeah, that, you know, I, I guess, I guess uh, that is true. <laughs> so it's really difficult. I mean, e- even eating like uh, bread at some level is medicinal. I mm-hmm. mean, it's you know, and so when I think about medicinal mushrooms, what I'm thinking about is there is an active scientific base of researchers that are developing uh, uh, studies on what our company calls compounds of interest from those naturally naturally occurring in those mushrooms. That's what we call medicinal mushrooms. Also functional mushrooms, we refer to it a lot um, Mm -hmm. in our consumer division, Uh, but that's kind of the space. So, you know, cordyceps, lion's mane, chaga, shiitake, turkey tail, maitake, uh, reishi, and those are really the ones that we work with, mm-hmm. what we call medicinal. And these medicinal or functional mushrooms, I've become fascinated by recently because you're just kind of looking for alternatives, right? Uh, yeah. But also, uh, you know, for some reason, I just gravitate towards an evolutionary lens and there's more of a chance that I've encountered this in, you know, or this body has encountered this in past lives through uh, a fungi rather than necessarily through a capsule. And so looking at some of these medicinal mushrooms and their benefits, you know, let's just call a spade a spade here right now, because you and I are both sitting in countries that are kind of, uh, they're in Europe and Mm. there's a lot going on right now with regards to this COVID-19. And, Mm. and, you know, guys, we're not diagnosing or treating disease here, but what we want to do is just open a discussion around how some of these medicinal mushrooms can help with the immune system because it's that immune system discussion right now. And you walk into a pharmacy and it's sold out of vitamin C. What kind of stuff can we expect to learn or what, what medicinal mushrooms should we be looking at here? Yeah. Very good question. It's, it's maybe the most best question we're getting asked right now. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you got a lot of inbound FAQ right now on your website. So I mean, I'm not sure what when when this will be published, but right now we're uh, it's like middle March, early March. I may have to fast and, track it based on your answer. <laughs> but I think it's it's right now we've got a lot of um, a lot of people concerned about about um, this this uh, this virus, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a pneumonia actually imitating, but it's a virus. So um, a lot of medicine is that we have like um, well, funny enough, it's also fungal, but it's uh, um, stops of bacteria it's like a you know this is not working anymore yeah so we have to think in 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 a a more holistic way um like vitamin c does how do we help strengthen our immune system Mm -hmm. and that's and that's the question so you know we don't have to get hysteric about it we don't have to freak out we don't have to have emotional reactions but i'd say a very calm collected response to this would say hey how much vitamin c do i have in the closet and 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 i would like people to think well if another thing to think about too is what kind of medicinal mushrooms do you have in your closet? Mm-hmm. Because what, what we're looking at is, uh, yeah, basically natural sources where we can be uh, helping strengthen our immune system. And I think, you know, even just like vitamin C, our human species have been using medicinal mushrooms for thousands and thousands, if not millions of years. And I mean, even mammals that are not humans are known to do that. So I think what we have in a way co-evolved with fungi and more than plants, we're more closely related to fungi than we are plants. 
So we have a more similar immune system actually to mushrooms than we do to plants. Mm -hmm. And in, in mushrooms, actually, we have such a very similar immune system. So the only difference is when we kind of split off these evolutionary paths, uh, mushrooms developed a bit more of a chemical-based immune system. Mm -hmm. And humans, we developed a bit more of cellular structure-based immune system. Um, it's very hard for viruses and bacteria to get into our cells to take over our mitochondria. Whereas in, in mushrooms, they have a lot of chemical help with that. The very interesting thing is that the chemicals that mushrooms make, we have receptors for that. We can actually use those chemicals. Mm -hmm. So in a way, we can think about mushrooms as tiny little uh, pharmaceutical factories that um, are helping to augment or support what kind of compounds we need or what, what immune system deficiencies we might have. And if we go even deeper to a biohacking space, where I know both of us kind of come from, mm -hmm. um, we're able to, under, if we understand our biology, we understand, you know, uh, like killer cell reaction, right? Mm -hmm. um, like natural killer cells. I mean, we can be using beta-glucans or L-ergothyrene. We can be using these kind of compounds to stimulate those effects um, earlier or later or, or quicker. Mm -hmm. So in a way, we, we, if we understand our own cellular biology, we can understand and we understand the compounds from medicinal mushrooms, we can really think about how, which ones we should be taking. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned Maybe that's a long answer, but I could also get into specifics about it, the compounds. It is a long answer, but I am going to take you down the specific route because okay. <laughs> uh, we were talking, you just mentioned beta glucans and a few other things. Yeah. And why don't we go down uh, specifics of these medicinal mushrooms and the properties? Yes. Uh, one of the other things that you also said in, this may become a multifolded question. I'm trying not to make it one, but you said we have receptors. And so let's start with the receptors first, because uh, receptor systems is something that I'm fascinated by. The listenership is fascinated by in terms of the receptors for these mushrooms. Is this very similar to like, we have an entire endocannabinoid system, right? Which we didn't yep. really know about until recently. Is it a similar structure yep. to that or are these... Yeah. Yeah, actually, the, one of the most interesting things, and I don't want to go into too many details about this right now, but we're we're starting a what we, we call knowledge base yeah. on endocannabinoid system and medicinal mushroom compounds. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, one of the most interesting things is actually how we can be increasing the bioavailability or our reception of these what we call compounds of interest from from mushrooms. Obviously, yeah. we're a medicinal mushroom company, and what we're finding is more and more we're seeing. We're I mean we're starting a knowledge base. We're gathering scientific papers showing a lot of medicinal compounds are activated on that endocannabinoid system. Mm -hmm. So this is actually a really interesting, really interesting find that I think we will start to see um, a lot more development um, in the medicinal mushroom industry on that kind of line of train of thought as, as CDB is becoming more legal. That's what I was and, thinking is like you're at the yeah. early stages of the CBD movement, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's in a way, I think that these, these two industries will become um, very, very connected, very intimately. Mm -hmm. So now taking that and going down the route of beta glucans and everything that you just mentioned in terms of benefiting our immune system, can we talk about some of these specific medicinal mushrooms? Like, obviously this isn't, doesn't sound like it's a portobello discussion or an oyster discussion, as you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. we're going down a very specific type of mushroom. Can we talk about just a few of those? Yeah. So I guess that, uh, I mean, the most general, like, how to say this? I think a lot of lot of mushrooms that we grow or we work with, they're they're really helping the immune system, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then some of those uh, 
mushrooms are doing really strange and weird things also like cordyceps mm -hmm. or also in a way maybe chaga um or lion's mane but i would say mainly when you you know and those are the more popular things that we're kind of just now learning about maybe trendy but but mushrooms in general have been mainly focused on just uh, immune support immune system support and they're kind of doing that in um a big way with beta glucan content yep and um and basically beta glucans are in pretty much every every mushroom but maitake might have the most of them mm -hmm. but you'll see so that's why we're seeing a lot of increased sales in maitake right now at our company but there's also shiitake will have them too uh, i mean pretty much almost almost every mushroom and what beta glucans are doing are they're a simple kind of polysaccharide like glucose mm -hmm. a kind of a sugar um they're bypassing our normal gut system so they're kind of like in a way kind of more of a insoluble fiber mm -hmm. and they're getting into our bodies and what they are doing is they're kind of they're immune modulating uh immune stimulating and they're essentially affecting our natural killer cells so our natural killer cells have this amazing ability to usually the, the, let's say our cells get uh, a virus gets into our body uh, and that goes and swims around and gets into one of our cells can take maybe, oh, three days for our natural killer cells to kind of average about three days for our natural killer cells to kind of get activated. And then they can really start to go after and even kill those cells that mm -hmm. have been contaminated in a way. Um, what the other method is, is that those cells will sort of self-reflect and, and mark themselves that they have been, that they're not normal. Mm -hmm. And then there's another mechanism our body can flush that out. And that might be a week. You know, so that's why there's kind of this, this incubation period we talk about, and then you start to see symptoms and then your body starts to kick in, you get a fever response, you get coughing, you get whatever it might be, um, to kind of help your body. What we can do is be proactive. Um, if we're taking something like high enough beta glucans with our medicinal mushrooms, uh, we can be activating our, our, our killer cell response right away. Very cool. You know, and also with macrophy. So we can also be kind of stimulating our, our, our white blood cells to also go out there and really start to work. Mm -hmm. So it, it's kind of stimulating our immune system, you know, when it doesn't actually would be stimulated itself. So if we know we're putting ourselves in a potential danger zone or exposing ourselves unnecessarily to these kind of virus risks, we know we can kind of biohack that mm -hmm. really boosting our, 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 our beta glucan intake and, and forcing our immune system to be really on high alert. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. And so it's maitake is sort of, is that the cream of the crop when it comes to production of beta glucans or is it also uh, like, should you be doing a variety with shiitake? And I know you mentioned turkey tail earlier, which I all conveniently have sitting here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what is there a recommended way path that people should go down or is variety the best choice here? I think I would be taking, um, I would, I mean, it's, I, it, there's a fine space that I can do about recommending, um, and we don't have to go uh, if, protocols, but we don't, but you I, don't have to recommend a protocol. Let's just say yeah. like, how would shiitake act differently than let's say my talkie. All right, guys. So I'm an early riser and sometimes the benefits of being an early riser are yes, you get more done. You have a lot more free time in your morning where people don't necessarily bother you because they think you're sleeping, but also you wake up before the sunrise. It's a period of time that for me is very peaceful. 
But when you want to get work done, but you don't necessarily want to turn on all the lights and disturb your natural circadian rhythms, what do you do? Well, one of the things that I have running almost consistently in the morning is my sauna space photon light. And that light is something that I meditate in front of. I use to heal myself faster post-workouts. And I just sometimes just throw it in front of my face because it feels freaking good. And so the guys over at Sauna Space are just truly awesome. We've had Brian Richards on the show before. You can see that episode at decodingsuperhuman.com slash sauna space. But if you head on over to the show notes for this one, we have a link to Sauna Space's website, which you can go on and purchase the Photon or any other one of their devices with the code superhuman and get yourself a nice little discount. So head on over to saunaspace.com, use the code superhuman, or just grab the link in the show notes. Let's go back to the episode. So shiitake, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. So shiitake actually has, also has beta glucans, but it also has a really, one of the most, I mean, for, for instance, right now at our company, um, we just gave everybody two bottles of shiitake. Yeah. So go home, be taking shiitake every day. And the reason we did that was because of a very, what we call compound of interest that's very interesting to us that's in shiitake, mainly called L-ergothyrene. Mm-hmm. And... Um, if you have show notes and stuff, I can send you more of these uh, studies. Please, we're we're going that. to plow all of this in the show notes, so please give Perfect. me all the studies. Absolutely. So uh, L-ergothyrene, it does a lot of interesting stuff. It's kind of antioxidant, so it's just generally helping your health, um, helping protect your DNA and RNA. But one of the most interesting things for me is what it's its kind of protecting your cells. So, mm-hmm. And this, this is only study we have about this is actually in vitro. So mm-hmm. I want to be really clear. Uh, when we talk about in vitro, what that means is you know, human cells in a, in a Petri dish. Yeah. Um, and it, we don't have actually studies about this in vivo, which is actually our living bodies. Yeah. So there's that little bit of disconnection, but you know, a lot of in vitro helps us understand how these compounds work before we would move to a kind of, uh, sorry, in vivo would help in vitro would help us before we move to in vivo. Yeah. And with the L-ergothyrene, what we're seeing is it actually is like kind of, it's protecting your cellular layer. So it's, it's kind of really, it's like stopping viruses from coming into your cell and hijacking your mitochondria. Okay. So, so you can really help to, it's like an extra armor. It's like the, the, if if we're going to go, if we're going to go completely nerdy on this, why don't we just go there? It's like having that force field. If you're on the starship enterprise or something like that. Right. Uh, Okay. Okay. So shiitake has that turkey tail. Uh, Turkey tail. Yeah. Cause turkey tail has the connection there with the gut is fascinating to me. Um, what, what can we expect from Turkey tail? Yeah. Yeah. Turkey tail, I would say it's, it's interesting. We're seeing quite a large, yeah. Uptake of this as well. Right now, people are, people are quite flocking toward Turkey tail. And I think people just have in their head that Turkey tail is really helping with the immune system. You know, um, there's been a lot of like uh, studies around this, a lot of, um, especially with cancer, like basically if you're, if you're in Japan and you contract breast cancer, they give you turkey tail. Interesting. You know, it's, it, it's the medicine that you're given. Um, that's obviously not the case in the U S or Europe, but in Japan, that, that that's the medicine you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's with the, it's with a certain beta glucan in turkey tail called PSK. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also another one called PSP that's also used that way, but, but it has a lot of, be- it has beta glucans mm-hmm. mainly. Um, so if we're not looking at actual specific, you know, um, breast cancer or real specific issues that we have, 
it also just has a lot of beta glucans. Okay. Um, but the mushroom, like I said, that mushroom that we have know the most we have beta glucans in is, is maitake. Okay. So when we're looking at maitake or shiitake is probably the easiest one for at least me to access it at the grocery store. Let's yeah. talk about the, the delivery here because what's, are there benefits to me just cooking a bunch of it at home and taking it that way? Or because you guys have formulated in these little tinctures, uh, how does it work in terms of effectiveness? Do you lose effectiveness yeah, when you cook it? That's a, that's a great question. Um, the answer is kind of yes and no. Okay. I mean, all, all great questions have a yes and no answer, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so basically with, um, with Turkey, with, with, with any of these mushrooms, like shiitake, maitake stuff you might find in the grocery store, um, there's, there's kind of, there's compounds that are water soluble, which means you eat it and your body could kind of absorb that, break those, break that down, have access to those compounds. And then there's compounds that need a solvent that's much stronger, um, like alcohol or some ultrasonic uh, extraction methods. And so that's kind of where it depends. It depends what, what health benefit you're looking for mm -hmm. and how that compound needs to be extracted. So, for instance, um, some of the antioxidant compounds can be extracted just with water. Mm -hmm. Some of them also need a, a stricter solvent like alcohol mm -hmm. um, and it just, and triterpene compounds almost always need alcohol. A little mm -hmm. bit will come out with the water, but it's very, very small. So it depends. I mean, the, we basically dual extract every mushroom. Yeah. So we ensure that the full range of compounds um, are, are going to be present in those little bottles. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the next step could be that we're, you know, making specific uh, extraction methods for specific use cases. Of course. Uh, but that gets much harder with health claims and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> and look, we're not making health claims here. We're just sharing benefits uh, that yeah, have, exactly. have been seen in literature. Right. Exactly. Um, okay. So the immune system modulators or, or regulators or whatever you want to call them are, are fascinating to me. Can we talk a little bit about chaga? Because yeah. uh, you... <sighs> The whole idea of 40,000 logs, was it 40,000 logs of chaga is how you guys got started? Or was it 40,000 just, um, you know, I guess you can say 40,000 trees full of mushrooms. Yeah. How did you guys get started again? Well, Remind me that. We had, Lodian called me up and said, let's do like 40,000 logs of, of, of mushrooms in a farm. Mm -hmm. um, we ended up not doing 40,000. I think we did 4,000. <laughs> <laughs> It's a and, lot of work. And how does this all work with every man's right in Finland? Because like, can people yeah. just invade and take your mushrooms? Really good question. So every man's rights is a very unique thing to Finland, mm -hmm. um, which is that, you know, private property is, is a loose space here. Uh, mm -hmm. What is private and what is public? It's, it's not so defined. So yeah. um, if I, if you live in Finland and you're my neighbor, I can walk through your forest. I can eat your berries. I can pick your mushrooms. Whereas in the U.S., we can shoot you because it's trespassing oh, yeah. on site, right? Smith and Western is, uh, <laughs> is a security agent. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, but I mean, here it's it's much more, you know it's way more open. Yeah, and and there's no uh, the immediate area around your house of your own land. You know, people cannot put tents in. They cannot be in this kind of thing. But you know, there's not many people here, and it's a very big country. So a lot of people have you know acreage, a couple hectares. And forest, um, I could go to my neighbor's forest and pitch a tent and, you know, hang out with my kids, pick their berries and eat them and mm -hmm. stay the night. So with a mushroom farm or like what we do with chaga are kind of these um, forests that we cultivate. 
anything that's cultivated is not cu- is not allowed in every man's rights. So even if it's a natural berries that are cultivated in a farm, um, that's not allowed. So our forest owners who, let's say, kind of join our growing network have that sort of sense of security. Mm-hmm. Um, but how we how we grow mushrooms, it it really depends. Um, like chaga, we grow outdoors on living birch trees mm-hmm. um, in, in, in forests around Finland. And with all the rest of the mushrooms, we have like a actually the European Union's largest outdoor medicinal mushroom farm. Um, this year, we're going to be adding about 10 to 15,000 more logs even to that. Wow. And we grow there lots and lots of lion's mane, mm-hmm. uh, lots of shiitake, turkey tail, uh, maitake. We're try we had a little success with reishi uh we're trying to get more success with reishi but mm-hmm. we're growing kind of as much as we can outdoors and and this is actually a very different thing that our company is doing than most companies um and it's mainly around like you know you look at our mushroom logs out there you know finland has the cleanest ever recorded air cleanest ever recorded water uh, it's a very clean environment that's very conducive for very high quality medicinal mushrooms to grow. Are you working and for the immigration service right now and trying yeah, to get please people- <laughs> Yeah, please <laughs> as they told me to say. That means welcome. Um, but it's a very it's a very unique place to grow medicine mm-hmm. outdoors. And uh, like it wouldn't be do- doing this in London, for instance. Yeah. But or Amsterdam. You know, we, yeah, or Amsterdam, yeah. But we our mushrooms that we're growing, we have a birch log. And we implant uh, mycelium from certain strains of certain mushrooms. Yeah. But then we sit it literally just in piles out in the spruce forest. You know, we're not touching that again. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, other fungi has gotten there. You know, a lot of other things are going to take over eating that log. That's that's what we want to see. (laughs) We're not growing these mushrooms indoors with HEPA filtered air. It's a totally clean environment. Yeah. We're growing them outdoors in the wild. and you know, those, those mushrooms are having to develop those immune enhancing compounds mm-hmm. at a larger effect because they're being attacked. Mm-hmm. They, ha- they have to survive. So our chaga is the same way. Every, you know, all of the, all the mushrooms we grow basically except cordyceps, we're growing outdoors. And, and that's really helping those mushrooms like uh, make more what we call compounds of interest. Yeah. So when I see three different fungi species on my lion's mane log, I'm going great, mm-hmm. you know, perfect. <laughs> it's having to fight to be there, you know. Beautiful. Uh, and or uh, compounds of interest, using that phrase that you just had, the compound of interest within, or I guess you can say the property of interest with chaga is, yep. is that just purely an antioxidant play or why, why should like, I take chaga every morning now that I have your formulation here, but yep. what, exactly is going on with the chaga? Um, I think we could go really deep into lots of compounds of interest that we're looking at. Yeah. And, and what's really, I want to just, before I answer that question, really quickly say there's, um, there's a biannual. So every two years, there's the International Medicinal Mushroom Society's Congress. Another, and, another and thing to plow in the show notes. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this, this, this Congress is actually a, a, the only space where, all the researchers around the world are presenting papers on medicinal compounds from mushrooms. Mm-hmm. It's the only place you can go there as a, as a guest, you know, you can, I, I can go there as a company, but everyone can visit. It's going to be in the EU actually in 2021. Mm-hmm. I'm on the um, executive committee planning that, that, that Congress. Where is it? So, Do you know? 
Um, it most likely will be in Serbia. Okay, cool. Is the plan right now. Awesome. And uh, yeah, so that is the place where all this new information comes out. So when I say compounds of interest, part of those are things that are well-researched, quite understood. And some of them are, we're doing that work right now. <laughs> we're <laughs> learning about this stuff right now, always learning more. But with Chaga, um, specifically compounds of interest that, 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 we know where, that we know are there, that we are you know, taking it for, are mainly around the antioxidant space. Mm -hmm. So when we think about how our cells age, um, we're looking at a lot of, you know, there's, uh, of course, telomeres that dictate how many times our, our cells can sort of regrow mm -hmm. um, or, or kind of start again. But also every time they start again, that, that sort of, mm, let's call it like the roadmap of how to build itself again is dictated by the DNA. Mm -hmm. And if that DNA has been damaged by free radicals and holes been punched in there and everything else, well, even though the telomere is still, you know, reproducing and everything else, it's not reproducing very well. Yeah. So you're getting a degeneration of your skin, of your eyes, of your, you know, muscles, of your liver, of your heart, everything else all the time that that has that regeneration process has to go because free radicals kind of just punching holes and stuff as they're flying around. So to me, a high, a, high, a regimen of high antioxidants is really important mm -hmm. because I want to live till I'm 150. I want to live till I'm 250. But I don't want to live if I'm just laying around doing nothing. Yeah. I want to be like, you know, oh, I still have some hair in my head. You know, I still can play with my kids, mm -hmm. my grandkids, whatever it's going to be. I want to have a joy of life. So when I think about that, I look at antioxidants as a really important answer for that. Mm -hmm. So chaga has the highest antioxidants gram per gram of any, any substance in the world. I mean, wow. it's, it's on a different level. Mm -hmm. Like if we're looking like auric is a, is a test done to kind of t establish the um, uh, let's say antioxidant level of a substance um, in vitro. And that is showing things that we think of as having high antioxidants, acacia berries, blueberries, 2000, 4,000, right around here. Chaga is maybe 200,000. Wow. So it's just, it's on a totally <clears throat> different plane. So there's references to Chaga mushroom being called the mushroom of, of immortality yeah. culturally. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is probably the reason why they, why they talk about it that way. Uh, there are two more mushrooms that I want to ask about, but before I go deep into those, uh, sustainability of chaga or just sustainability of these mushrooms in general. I know your company is very focused on it, but yeah, I, I, like because these compounds are starting to get some light shed on them, and they're starting to be a lot more science plowed into them. Some of the companies are getting quite popular. How do we ensure that we're not just going to pillage the earth of these and then go back to trying to create these things in, in a lab? Yeah, it's a super good question. And that's, maybe you asked that about Chaga because that's like, it's actually a really big debate in the U.S. right now. Yeah. Um, medicinal mushroom companies in the U.S. are having to, there's a lot of debate around this. There's a lot of consumers asking that question and then answering it because Chaga is right now, it's a foraged mushroom. Mm-hmm. That's how you get it. And that's how we the jaga you're taking from us is also foraged. Um we don't our 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 forest our growing network is not going to produce for another five, six years, you know? Mm -hmm. So right now it's all foraged. And how that foraging is done, it depends on the laws of individual countries. So a place that's maybe a bit more relaxed, like Russia, that's the largest supplier of chaga, we might be creating a lot of damage to that ecosystem, most yeah. likely, about how the chaga is being done. Countries where, or, you know, Canada, it's also very difficult to get really in the back country there. So, 
and labor is very expensive, unlike Russia. So it's not happening so much in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, U.S. almost all the any any thought of commercial forage in Chagas is, is gone. <laughs> yeah, it's gone, totally gone. Yeah. That was in the eighties. Um, as a response to that, that's why companies like Host Defense or uh, Old Mushrooms or these kind of Aloha Medicinals, these bigger, older medicinal mushroom companies started growing chaga indoors. Yeah. Um, but what's really important to think about is that chaga, it, by definition, is a canker. Mm-hmm. It's a reaction that the tree is having to the mycelium of Inotus oblicus. And that, that creates a chaga. And a chaga is actually 90% wood matter um, from the birch tree. Um, so it's, this, it's not exactly a mushroom. It's not exactly a tree. It's chaga. Yeah. You can't grow that in the lab. And, and the FDA actually has very strict uh, labeling requirements on that that are going to be enforced, I think, here very soon. So chaga is only grown outdoors on a birch tree. You cannot grow it inside. And that all the, all the studies and everything we have done about it, that's all from outdoor grown. That's, mm-hmm. It's proper chaga. And uh, what we're doing is we're trying to solve this you know, potential crisis before it becomes a potential crisis and uh, start to cultivate it. So that's why we're actually going into those forests. We're inoculating those live birch trees um, with chaga. Then we will basically be harvesting that chaga, bringing it back and using that as our supply. And those trees that are then left out without chaga, we can be inoculating them with rare and endangered fungal species. They can be you know, laid down on the ground of that forest to add that nutrition back to that uh, topsoil. So we can actually play a much more... Mm, non-extractive sort of relationship with the forest than cutting everything down and taking it out for making paper or building supplies. Symbiotic relationship rather than one of a parasitical relationship, I would guess. Yeah, Uh, yeah, exactly. Chaga is parasitic enough. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I'll save the performance mushrooms for a second again. When we're looking at selecting these, you mentioned a couple of companies there, but also like you go out into uh, Whole Foods, for instance, and a lot of the listenership is where you and I came from in the U.S. And they're saying like, hey, there's certain mushroom companies that we're exposed to. And there's, you know, that seems readily available on my shelves at my local Whole Foods or whatever organic store you go to. How do you evaluate these companies? Because you just hinted at something that I didn't even know. Um, and unless we know how things like chaga are actually grown or the company comes out and explicitly states certain things, how do you actually start to evaluate uh, where you're buying or where you're sourcing your mushrooms from? Yeah. Yeah. This is maybe the most difficult thing right now. Mm-hmm. And it's not part of our culture. I mean, your parents, they taught you how to look at ground beef and know if it's still good to eat or yeah, if, it, if it's brownie, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, or like, you know, look at a carrot and if it's really flimsy, maybe if you don't want to eat it or what mold looks like on bread. I mean, like part of our culture helps to prepare us for, you know, how to analyze food and make those decisions and kind of what is medicine and what's not medicine. Um, we don't have a, a cultural tradition of taking medicinal mushrooms. Most European countries, most Americans, this isn't part of our, our heritage. Um, I mean, chaga, of course, in Finland is quite part of the heritage, but um, no other medicinal mushrooms, really. So I think we have to do, we, this is a very important conversation we're having to help educate people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of information on the internet. And I think what's the advice that I would give is 
that we can't be so dogmatic about this. Um, it, we have to look at every single mushroom. We have to understand then what science studies have been done. We have to look at what, how the, basically what the raw material that was used for those studies and what the extraction method was done for those studies. Mm-hmm. And then how we can be um, knowing if there's any, what, what compounds will come out from those extraction methods and what we're trying to achieve ourselves. So in a way, it's actually, it's much more difficult. And I think, you know, there's a lot of potential problems in the industry. Um, 92% of all mushrooms are grown in China right now. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, this is a crazy time to be talking about, you know. Even, b- even before that, right? It was... China, yeah. But even, I mean, it's it, it's a place that I don't think of as getting, you know, let's say like a, a really healthy health food. Yeah. You know? um, the air quality is not so good. And there's a lot of a lot of issues that we're seeing in the organic uh, food space that there's pesticides being used that aren't even we're not even knowing we should be testing for. So the so, so the quality control is quality control is quite bad. Yeah, yeah. So I think that this is a concern that I would have looking at that. Um, another concern that I would have is is where what mushrooms are they using and how are they grown? Mm-hmm. Is it um, is it the mycelium in liquid culture? Is it pure mycelium? Is it myceliated grain um is it fruiting bodies of mushrooms and and that's kind of more of a technical um debate that that we have to have and it's really important because basically mycelium is the living body of the organism um it's like the white little strainy little guys high phase that are kind of making the connection it's it's like the living body mm-hmm. it's like the apple apple tree or something you would say and the mushroom itself is only the fruiting body and like an apple. So it's basically, it's coming up for a short period of time. It's releasing um, spores or seeds kind of mm-hmm. into the atmosphere and it's re- replicating its DNA, you know, again and, and giving new life. Um, and basically all the studies that we have on medicinal compounds uh, have been done on fruiting bodies. Mm-hmm. So for instance, if you or your listeners would like to come to the International Medicinal Mushroom Society, um, we're, we're presenting papers on on compounds. There's not a single one that I've ever seen there that is using uh, myceliated grain. Mm-hmm. Some, a couple are looking into what might be the medicinal compounds of mycelium on liquid culture, which is a technique we do here also in our laboratory to grow just pure mycelium in a liquid substance that we can drain that liquid and then just have pure mycelium mm-hmm. that we could dry. Uh, and that's mainly being done as a cost savings. Uh, can we, can, as we, as an industry, medicinal mushroom industry, can we be getting the same compounds without having to, you know, grow fruiting bodies, which are much more complicated, yeah. much more costly to do? Um, it's not being done as, oh my gosh, maybe this is a better product. It's just, can it, can we do this cheaper? Um, which is, of course, as an industry, a very good question to ask. You know, can we be providing this medicine to more people? Can we be getting the price point lower? These are all very important questions to ask. But if it's sacrificing quality, then it's then it's not. So. Not a lot of successes come from that, to be honest. Yeah. And then if we go to a place of myceliated grain, um, which a lot of major companies in the U.S. are using right now, that myceliated grain, uh, it's essentially tempeh. You know, it's, it's you know, some amount of grain that's, that's kind of wet, inoculated with some mycelium. Mycelium will start to grow on that grain, eat it, and then they just dry that whole block and grind it up and make it into capsules. So um, I'm guessing this, that the effectiveness of that is one tenth, one one hundredth of the wild grown stuff. 
And we don't even know if it is effective yeah. at all. Okay, fair enough. I mean, it's it's hard to say, it, you know, if it's effective at all. And it's 90, 95% grain, mm -hmm. you know? So you're seeing a lot of just starch. Yeah, and we have other issues in society with starch. Eric, that was <laughs> amazing. I'm glad you went through that because I think you, just to kind of recap a few points for people. And yep. this is stuff that I, I think people should need to do with all of their supplements. It's just ask questions. I mean, Eric, you gave some great points there in terms of, key points to ask mushroom companies. And most of these companies have customer service and candidly, if, and I'm a person who sends a lot of annoying emails and asks a lot of annoying questions, Eric, as you know, uh, but like, I, I want to understand the quality control. And one of the red flags for me is if I get some customer service person who a doesn't answer or B uh, doesn't really dodges the question, doesn't give me the answer that I want, et cetera. And that's just a way for you to understand a little bit more about what's, what's actually going into your body. Right. Yeah. My friend, yeah, and, go ahead. No, I just, I just think it's, you know, to be honest, we, it just, it, it really, it frustrates me from a really core place because I think it's, we're not growing potatoes. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not growing calories. Like we are making high value, expensive, medicinal mushroom supplements, right? Mm -hmm. Food supplements that uh, people are taking because they have breast cancer. They, they are looking for high amounts of antioxidants. They, they, they've learned about beta glucans. They want beta glucans. They are, I mean, they're trying to heal some, like we have people taking reishi for eczema issues, skin issues. I mean, there's, and I've so many success stories I've had for that, you know, because it's not a joke. It's not just potatoes, nothing wrong with potatoes, but we have a moral responsibility yeah. to be creating really high quality, you know, good medicine now. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's really frustrating to see that that ethical standard in my industry is not, not everyone's on the same page, you know? Yeah. Um, I hear you and I really appreciate you guys. In fact, one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show was because of that. But yeah. um, let's talk about Rishi because the next, yeah. the next three, and we may have to do these a little bit faster depending on timing, but Reishi is yeah. something that I've enjoyed pretty much every evening as uh, some of its adaptogen properties, but it also like, it just brings me down a level. In fact, when I was doing a TEDx talk right before going on, or actually like an hour before it's like, boom, hit the Reishi uh, tincture that you guys have. And I felt just like, it was just smooth sailing, right? Which yeah. you think yeah. about the pressure of a TED talk, that's different. Um, yeah. What are... Like maybe I just blew everything you had to say about reishi, but in terms of reishi, what, why should people be interested? Yeah, I think you should be interested because to me, the, the biohacking community is one that's really incredible. I mean, now, now getting more into this consumer side, we're interacting, you know, much deeper with this community and I love it because I can, I can sit here and tell you whatever I want to tell you. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and you can believe whatever you want to believe. And the, to me, the biohacking community is one that, you know, you have the hour ring, you're checking, does this stuff. If, if we're saying Reishi helps to sleep or helps to calm me down, does it actually do that? Yeah. And, and we're seeing that consistently, you know, we're having people buying it again and again and again and again and again, because they're able to actually find and, 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 and uh, check those metrics and know that it's actually helping them relax, helping them get better sleep. And um, I, that to me is incredible. That, 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 you know, that's better than me telling you what it's going to do. So I think Reishi has so many 
so many compounds of interest, such, you know, really incredible things that we're looking at. Um, but it's really stuck as a way to calm down. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a really helping moderate your stress, you know, relax your neurosystem, like just really, really relax after, mm-hmm. after a day of work. Um, okay. The, let's go on to like the performance kick, kick things up a notch compounds, lion's mane yeah. and cordyceps. I'll let you pick whichever one you want to talk about first. I know we've had several conversations about cordyceps, a little bit less so on lion's mane, but floor is yours. Which way do you want to take us? Yeah, we can talk about cordyceps. Yeah. Let's go, let's yeah, go down so, that route. Okay. Well, I don't know. There's cordyceps. I guess cordyceps is a really fun thing because mm, there's 70 or something different species of cordyceps. Mm-hmm. The only two that basically you hear people talk about are Cordyceps sinensis or Cordyceps militaris. Um, and these were kind of found out, sinensis at least, you know, with uh, herding animals, you know, eating it and then getting more energy. <laughs> so basically herders in the northern steppe in Tibet, mm-hmm. uh, Bhutan, um, started taking them themselves then and, and starting to feel these uh, effects. And it became kind of a mainstream part of Chinese traditional medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, this cordyceps. So it became a place to be used for mm, depression, mm-hmm. mm, low energy, um, you know, athletic performance, but, but mainly a, a way to make you enjoy life more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, win- winter here in Finland is like really right now that you can see the sun shining in. It's really nice, but it's going to go down you know, soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And in December, maybe you don't see it at all. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, ecosystem and the environment here can be quite quite oppressive in a way and it's really nice to have these kind of allies that can help us uh just enjoy life a bit more mm-hmm. so cordyceps is a big one for that i mean it kind of it, it's like a helicopter it takes you to the top of the mountain drops you off there and goes yeah that's how life can be mm-hmm. that that joy you're feeling that's what you can feel every day all the time it doesn't you know doesn't keep you up there but you got to figure out how to kind of what changes you need to make in your life to stay that way yeah um and and what it's really helping with on a like kind of chemical basis is is uh, a lot of you know higher amounts of ATP, more oxygen in your lungs, help to healing your lungs. Um, it's kind of creating more, yeah, more more ability to perform. So that oxygen is also getting to your brain, everything else. You're thinking more clearly. You're you're able to perform you know better. And it's used by now we're we're selling ours to even the Finnish Olympic team mm-hmm. and. It's, it's a really nice thing that um, people are, you know, athletes are seeing that performance, but also people in like you and I who have kind of high demand uh, analytical or conceptual thinking careers. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, to me, it's, it's not something I take every day. Yeah. It's something I take when I, I really need to be performing well. And to me, the extra amount of, I'm kind of like this really energetic dude anyway. Yeah. So if I took it all the time, I think my partner would leave me, you know, <laughs> my, 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 a lot of my employees would probably be so too sick of me, you know, to continue working anymore. I think it, I, you know, I'm like the steam engine. So I take it really sparingly just when I really feel it's a long day today and I got to get through it. Mm-hmm. Is there a tolerance issue with any of these, like whereby you build up tolerance and it no longer works? I'm sure, but we haven't seen it. Okay. You know, I mean, we work with, we actually, just to be clear, what we grow is Cordyceps militaris. Mm -hmm. And um, this is a, we have a strain that we found here in Finland. We we also grow strains from us around the world. 
Um, we grow them indoors because Militares essentially in the, in the natural system um, evolved to take over the brains of insects. Yeah. And so it's this very, very strange. It's not a, like we talk about shiitake, maitake, um, these kind of mushrooms, they're these saprobes, they, they decompose wood. Um, it's a very different kind of mushroom than chaga, which is kind of this weird, you know, wood and mycelium kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, cordyceps, which is like this, you know, parasite on insects. Yeah. <laughs> well, very different kind of mushrooms. But um, cordyceps, of course, are, are we have to grow it indoors because the market really requires that we have a vegan substrate, gotcha. um, which we do. So it's organic certified and it's vegan. And it's uh, and then to get the mushroom to fruit, we're actually having to shine lots of different LED lights on it at different times. It's a quite intensive process, actually. Mm-hmm. Last one I want to close out with is lion's mane, which is a compound that's fascinated me for a long time. You see it in stamet stack and all of this stuff, which stamet stack is something completely different. But let's talk about lion's mane and some of these benefits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So lion's mane, it's funny for the longest time. It's been considered as mainly a, a gut health, mm-hmm. actually. A lot of the studies, a lot of the research around lion's mane was, well, of course, it tastes amazing. Yeah. You know, it's been culinary mushroom for a long time, mm-hmm. but it's really been helping with gut health. So um, it's just very recent that we've started to understand this kind of nerve growth factors mm-hmm. and neurogenesis and how it's kind of stopping this uh, brain degeneration. And of course, I want to say this is all only with rat trials, right? Yeah. So again, we can't, we're not saying that this has been shown in humans, but um, it's interestingly enough that, you know, of course, people are starting to to use it for that reason, including myself. And I think what's, what's incredible is that at, at age 30, your brain starts to degenerate. You start to lose neurons. You start to, you know, kill, kind of kill off parts of your brain. And, and this mushroom has been shown in rats at least to um, not only stop that from happening, but to kind of start brain regeneration, which when I start to think about how, how our bodies look at when we are 100 or 150, again, quality of life, I mean, I want to have a properly functioning brain. I want to have a properly functioning body. To me, this is a, I don't know anything else that's doing as good of a job with NGFs as, uh, sorry, nerve growth factors as like lion's mane. Mm-hmm. So do you take it every day? Um, I do just about, just about every day. I mean, with every mushroom, like I take chaga every day, pretty much lion's, lion's mane every day, pretty much. Um, and depending on then what else is going on, some other mushrooms, but, um, to me, lion's mane is, uh, I take a break from everything that I do. Yeah, of course. Every once in a while, mm-hmm. including chaga, just every, just so <laughs> nice to see what, what happens without it. Eric, you've been extremely generous with your time and I'm sure I'm going to, I'm sure when people listen to this, they're going to force me to bring you back for a round two. Not that I wouldn't love doing it anyway, but I usually like to round things off with a couple of rapid fire questions. And the first one is, is what's your top trick for enhancing focus? Top trick for enhancing focus. Okay. Yeah. Um, (laughs) <laughs> you, you can be bi- I mean, you can be as biased how, as you want here. Yes, this is such a good question. I mean, it, it depends on how much time I have. Yeah. Um, if I'm gonna, do I need to be really top top focused? Like, uh, like, do I have an hour to prepare? Or do I have ten minutes? If I have an hour to prepare, I'm gonna jump in a frozen lake. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. in Finland we call it avanto. Yeah. Um, 
And, and this uh, ice bathing is really, for me, just, it just centers my body, just brings me right back. Just woof. It's really incredible. But uh, if I have 10 minutes, what I do is I go to Spotify and I put on the psilocybin trials, the soundtrack Mm -hmm. from the John Hopkins psilocybin trials. And it's this curated two, three hour, incredible, such intentionality put into, it's a lot of orchestral music, a lot of classical music. And, and that takes me to this, uh, uh, kind of ephemeral place where I can do really deep thinking or really get involved in what I'm doing. Such a beautiful answer. Um, <clears throat> what book has significantly, I guess you can say impacted your life and how you should, you show up and perform in it. Yeah. Or shifted your way of thinking. Is that another yeah, way? Yeah, I would say, mm, Oh man, this goes way back to like a uh, high school, I would say. And it's funny that the first book, my God, I, now, that, now, now that I have a minute to think about it, it's all so many different titles are coming in. But the first book I thought about was actually um, like Ayn Rand. Really? You know? I didn't realize yeah, that. Like, it's because like I have all, all of her books here. <laughs> um, yeah. Like Atlas Shrugged, you know. I mean, I think, I think I was in a really funny place in high school trying to find some sense and meaning of yeah. the world. And, you know, what is, what, how, how, how to explain how people work you know, in a way. And, uh, I don't know if I believe everything that she's, she talks about in these books or I agree. Uh, yeah. There's, you know, cer- there's certain things I completely disagree with, but yeah. I think it's okay. But it was point. a really eye opening book for me. Yeah. It was one of, wow, this is a perspective that I've never heard before. Well, I'll have to get yeah. you down here to Amsterdam. I have a, I have a first edition copy of it that somebody wow. gave me as a gift and it's, it's sitting here. I oh. need to figure out how to preserve it a little bit better than it currently is being preserved. Um, oh. What excites you most about the health world right now? Just where we, where we can go. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I meet folks like, you know, my age, your age, um, who are heading up biotech companies, heading up the space. I, the biohacking summit in Helsinki is a absolutely incredible place to meet. I mean, everyone I met there was doing the most interesting thing that I've heard about <laughs> until the next person I talked to. You yeah. Know? I think that this is a space that, there's a lot of very motivated people to find out answers and apply new technology and new ways of thinking to mm-hmm. those things. And it's not, we don't have to think about it in this old way anymore. And right now you have um, a, a customer base in EU and the US, especially that are willing to pay for um, food supplements. Yeah. So there's also a revenue model that really can make companies go deeper and find out new things. And it's a really great time to be alive for mm-hmm. the health space for sure. Where can people find out more about you, what you're up to, and your company? Yeah, uh, I'm on Instagram, like everybody now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eric MT Puro and uh, kappahealth.com. Uh, Kappa is K A A P A. So kappahealth.com is our, is our consumer division. And then, you know, kappabiotech.com um, is our biotech side of things. And uh, yeah, just reach out. And if people want to get some of these tinctures that I've been talking about, you've been talking about, they go to kappahealth.com. Is that right? Correct. Good. I'll I'll go place an order now before other people decide to listen to this episode and place orders as well. But uh, Eric, thank you so much for this. This has been incredible. As always, my friend, it's good talking to you. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks. To all the superhumans listening out there, have an epic day. All right, superhumans, 
Did you enjoy my conversation with Eric? I did head over to kappahealth.com and placed a little bit of an order after this episode. And you know what? I actually don't receive any affiliate commission on this. I do believe that they make me stronger, healthier person. And it's why I wanted him to come on the show. Plus, Eric does a really good job of delving out good information, scientific-based, that is also helping you select your best mushrooms. Again, head on over to Eric's website, kappahealth.com. And if you want the show notes to this one, it's decodingsuperhuman.com slash K-A-A-P-A. Superhumans, have an epic day, stay healthy, and always choose health.